six or seven weeks, we're going to be studying the first chapter of Paul's letter to the ancient city of Ephesus. And this chapter is so important to every Christ follower, every follower of Jesus, because it teaches me who God is, who I am to God, and what God wants to give me. And God wants to give me many good things. Uh, And Ephesians chapter 1 is where Paul kind of opens the lid of the treasure chest that God has for me. And what we want to do over the next week by week is to go jewel by jewel and gem by gem and hold each diamond up to the light and appreciate its beauty. So let's get started. Uh, please turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, and, you know, we'll, you'll see some scripture up here on the screen, but it's going to be hard to read. So you might want to get right into that uh, first chapter of Ephesians yourself. Uh, We're going to be reading the first 14 verses of uh, chapter 1. And the reason that we're going to read 14 verses is not because we're going to cover each one in depth, but because it's, in the original Greek, all one long sentence. All right? Uh, It's as if Paul just filled his lungs and blurted out, uh, kind of with breathless excitement, a glorious inventory of our treasure in God. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. God predestined us to be adopted as his children through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Wow, what a sentence. Now let's repeat it all together by memory. All right. Uh, Even though this is a complicated series of phrases and sentence uh, fragments, it is possible to identify the central image that ties everything here together. The central image is found in what is our verse 5. In love, God predestined us to be adopted as his children through Jesus Christ. The central thought of this long sentence, the central thought in this whole chapter, is the staggering truth that through my faith in Jesus, I am adopted by Almighty God. I am 
an adopted kid of the king. I am an adopted son of the sovereign, almighty God of the universe. And this stunning truth of my adoption is the basis for all the treasure that is then described in Ephesians chapter 1. And that's why our series is called Adopted for Life. God has adopted me to bring his life into my life. This is not the only time that Paul uses this adoption image. Besides the reference here in Ephesians, Paul also refers to an extended analogy on adoption in Romans chapter 8. And then he alludes to it again in Galatians 4 and in other places. It's fair to say that adoption is Paul's favorite way to describe the believer's new relationship with God. And one of the reasons that Paul refers to adoption so often is because it was a familiar feature in Ephesus and in the rest of the Greco-Roman world of his day. And in most respects, adoption in the first century was very similar to adoption today. But there are a few unique aspects of Roman adoption that are necessary for us to look into in order to fully appreciate the biblical image. Uh, One unique feature, we'll cover more other weeks, but one unique feature of adoptions in the first century is that most adoptions in the Roman world involved an orphan. Adoptions in Paul's days centered on a child who had no mother, no father, no siblings or relatives of any kind. Uh, Adoptions in Paul's day were different uh, because today in our American-based adoptions, it's extremely rare for a child to have no living mother, no living father, or other living relatives. In fact, one of the challenges of American-based adoptions is the competing allegiances between uh, the child's adoptive family and the child's biological family and the complications that arise when an adopted child seeks contact with biological moms or dads or siblings. Well, this was never a factor in the Greco-Roman world because adopted children were orphans. Most often, they were war orphans. Rome was always conquering new territory, and after every conquest, war orphans were distributed, uh, captured and distributed among the cities of the empire, like Ephesus. And through this adoption image, Paul is asking you to use your imagination. Paul says, just imagine that you are one of those war orphans on the streets of Ephesus. You're seven years old, and you are wearing the same clothes that you were wearing two years ago when your community was raided by Roman soldiers and your mother and father were killed. You, what you wear looks like rags because over those two years you grew, but your clothes didn't. Imagine you are alone in this strange land where you have no friends and no help and no support. In fact, far from sympathy, the townspeople who see you would sooner spit on you than give you food or shelter because you are a conquered enemy, hated and despised. So you're hungry today. You're going to be hungrier tomorrow. You have no hope for anything better in any way at any time in your future. But then imagine how 
suddenly your life history would change in a strange way. At first, you don't know what to think. You don't know, really understand what's going on. But all you know is that a kind gentleman has taken interest in your case. At first, you're full of doubts because on the street, you learn to suspect everything and everyone. But eventually, it becomes apparent that this kind man is arranging to bring you to his home. And your heart leaps with joy because the prospect of becoming a household servant would be infinitely better than starving on the streets. And soon enough, you arrive at his home and your eyes just about pop out of your head because this is no ordinary home. This is a palatial estate that you've only heard about in fairy tales. And you think, I get to be a a servant here? This is going to be the life. Then as you uh, walk into this estate, uh, you walk past tables piled with food and you're told to wash for dinner. You're brought to a room to wash, and then you're brought to another room to change, and you're given a set of clothes. And you say, strange, these aren't the kind of clothes I thought servants would wear. And then you're brought to a a grand dining room, and you're terrified because there are only two seats at the table. And the other uh, other seat is occupied by this kind gentleman. And the man says, I know you're hungry. Go ahead and eat. I know you're thirsty. Go ahead and drink. And if you need anything else, just would you let me know? And you're so confused that for a moment you hesitate, but then your hunger trumps your suspicions and you eat until you can eat no more. And then the man says, well, I'm sure you're wondering what this all means. And you say, yeah, I have been wondering, but I can tell you, sir, that I am a hard worker and uh, I will do whatever you want me to do. I can be the best servant uh, that, that you'll ever have. But the man chuckles and says, I don't want you to be my servant. Not today, not tomorrow, not one day of your life. Then he leans forward, and you can see that there are tears in his eyes. And he says, I want you to be my child. I have adopted you today. And as you absorb this shock, he gets up from the table, takes your hand and says, let me show you around. Let me show you around because now that you're my child, everything you see is yours. And, of course, infinitely more than what you can see. Can you imagine how your life would change? Can you imagine the joy of gradually realizing the wealth and power of your new father and then gradually realizing the wealth and power you have as his child? Can you imagine how this adoption would change everything? How it would change your view of your past? How it would change your self-identity in the present? How it would change your outlook on your future? How it would fill you with overspilling joy and overcoming confidence and overwhelming gratitude? Hopefully, you can imagine this a little bit. Because if you are a follower of Jesus, this is your story. This has happened to you. And this is what God wants you to understand in the words of Ephesians chapter 1. God says through Paul in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. These blessings are the treasures that flow out of 
my adoption. The privilege, the position, the possession, the power that comes with being a son or daughter of the Almighty God. And you may say, yeah, give me more detail. Give me some more detail about these blessings. i got to know a little bit more about what these blessings are. Hold your horses. Because i got to tell you first that there's a problem. And the problem is not understanding these blessings or grasping what they mean. The problem is really believing that God has given them to you. The problem is not learning these blessings. The problem is living these blessings. The issue is not counting your blessings as an adopted child of God. The issue is whether you will count on these blessings in a way that transforms your self-identity and the way you live and operate in this world. Now that you know the problem, now we're ready to open the treasure chest and examine the blessings that flow from our adoption as God's sons and daughters. Verse 3 in Ephesians chapter 1. God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every blessing in Christ. What are these blessings? The adopted children of God receive the spiritual blessings of privilege, position, possession, and power. First, when God chooses me to be his child, I receive the spiritual blessing of privilege, where the privilege is a relationship with God. This is where the list of spiritual blessings has to start. Uh, The biggest and most amazing blessing that flows from my adoption as God's child is that I get to have a personal relationship with Almighty God. Uh, Verse 4, in love God predestined us to be his adopted children. There are a lot of bad motives that parents can have for adopting children. Uh, they can adopt children out of a uh, just desire to stroke their ego uh, and to get uh, someone to follow their orders. It, uh, people can adopt to, it can be greed, it can be selfishness. But verse 4 says that God has a motive. God's motive for adopting children is love. God adopts me out of his desire to show me love in a personal relationship. I mentioned Romans chapter 8 where Paul goes on an extended analogy related to adoption. God says that when uh, uh, Paul says that when God adopts me, he puts within me a spirit that cries out, Abba. And of course, in this case, the word Abba is not a Swedish word for a cheesy 80s rock band. Uh, God wants me to consider him Abba which is an Aramaic word, which means daddy, papa. But remember the problem. Uh, Understanding a personal daddy relationship. This is the blessing he wants to pour on me. That's not the problem. The problem is not counting that blessing. The problem for me is counting on this daddy relationship blessing. I mean, what would my life look like if I really believed that moment by moment God was this daddy who loved me 
and wanted me to crawl up into his lap and spend time with him, giggling in front of him, whispering things in his ear that I would say to no one else, sharing with him my deepest needs and my darkest fears, and trusting him with everything in my life. i tell you what my life would look like. I would have a blessed life of no fear, no worries, no complaining, just the peace and the joy that flows from the good life of the adopted child of God. Referring to this blessing of a daddy relationship, uh, in the second chapter of Ephesians, Paul says this, uh, Through Jesus we have access to God the Father. This is the privilege of the adopted that we're talking about here. The adopted child of God has free access to God. I can be in the Father's presence all day long. I can go to Him at any time, anywhere, with any need, and know that He will hear me and respond to me with His loving kindness. But the problem is that even though God tells me that I have this intimacy and access, a part of me doesn't believe it. How else can I explain my reluctance? How else can I explain that I don't crawl into Abba's lap and take full and constant advantage of that access? Can you imagine how foolish it would be for that adopted war orphan uh, to go to his new father and say, uh, thanks for the uh, personal relationship, but I don't think I'll have my meals with you. I'll eat with the servants. Uh, thanks for the offer of the new clothes. I'll just wear the rags. Uh, thanks for the offer of free access to you and your power and your wealth and your wisdom. Uh, but my schedule's kind of busy, and so, you know, instead of bringing my needs to you, I'll just find a way to survive on the streets. This would be foolish. And yet, this is what so many of us are doing when we become too busy for taking the time to develop a daddy relationship with God. So first comes the adoption privilege of a relationship with God. The next blessing that flows from the first is the blessing of position, where the position we're talking about is the position that gives me relatives in the family of God. When God adopts me into his family, he transforms me from a lonely war orphan into a child who is blessed with a loving family in a position of siblings and relatives uh, under a heavenly father. And you may say, wait a minute, I don't see the mention of siblings here in uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Well, this blessing of relatives is mentioned almost every other word. Uh, Starting with verse 3, Paul says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. God has chosen us to be adopted, given grace freely to us, and lavished his love on us, and made known to us. Do you hear it? The blessings are all in a context of us. My adoption is not designed to stop with a one-on-one relationship with my daddy, God. No, he is wanting me to connect with my family, my family in faith my family in uh, Jesus with my brothers and sisters. It's always the Father's desire to position me as his adopted orphan 
among relatives who will support me and help me to grow. Referring to that blessing, Paul says in the fourth chapter of his letter, In Christ the whole body, joined together, held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. This fellowship uh, that is described here helps define what Paul means by that term, spiritual blessings. Uh, Many people, when we hear that term, spiritual blessings, in verse 3, we immediately think that Paul's referring to intangible blessings, that spiritual blessings are immaterial, intangible blessings. But that's not what Paul means. Considering the Greek words involved, a better translation uh, would be blessings from the Spirit. Not spiritual blessings, blessings from the Spirit. That's because... Paul is not just referring to intangible blessings. He's referring to blessings that come from God's Spirit, including the very tangible blessing of relatives, flesh and blood people in my church, in my community group, who support me and help me to grow. And this means that if you are part of this church and you're not in a community group, it is possible that you are missing a whole category of God's blessing in your life. Don't just count this spiritual blessing. Count on the blessing of incorporating fellowship into your daily life. Get involved in a community group. You're a war orphan no more. God is begging you to connect with your adopted family. After privilege and position, the third blessing that flows from my adoption is possession. And here we're talking about the possession uh, treasure of the riches of God's grace. God is like any other doting dad. God loves to give gifts to his adopted kids. And the wealth that God wants to give to his children uh, to possess is described in verse 7. In him we have the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace lavished on us. So God gives me a prized possession. He wants me to hold on to this prized possession and even make it such that it it defines my every moment in life. And this prized possession is the gift of his grace, the riches of his forgiveness over me. God's grace is God's undeserved favor over me as a child. It's his holy, total approval over me. God's grace is such that It's his favor that is not related to anything that I have done or will do. It's that God is totally delighted in me as his child just because I'm his child. God wants this approval to be my possession that I hold on to and which defines my life so that I have a new self-identity. God wants me to define my life around his approval such that I'm brimming with treasures of confidence and security and fearlessness and strength. And God wants me to know that this possession is something he holds in heaven so that it is completely safe. That's what Paul means when he says that God has blessed us in the heavenly realms. That phrase, heavenly realms, uh, refers to the fact that the riches of God's forgiveness and God's grace and God's approval and all the other spiritual blessings 
are secure and they cannot be taken away. That they're constant and cannot be stolen by earthly circumstances. They're eternal in heavenly realms and not temporary like everything that we experience here on earth. Don't just count this blessing. Count on this blessing of God's approval over you as his child. That's the problem, right? I understand God's approval for me. But this knowledge doesn't change the way I live. Many of us go on a never-ending search for love and approval when the ultimate validation we seek is a possession we already own as adopted children of Abba. But there, there are many more spiritual blessings uh, that are locked in this uh, first chapter, but I'll mention just one more. The fourth blessing is the blessing of power, which are the resources uh, that God gives his adopted children for overcoming, overcoming. When God adopts me, he shares with me his power. In the words of Ephesians chapter 1, 18 and 19, I pray also that you may know God's incomparably power for us who believe. God explains that God gives his adopted children power his, through his indwelling spirit who gives them a power that is like the power that brought Jesus out of the tomb. This reference to the resurrection of uh, Jesus teaches us that when God indwells us, uh, he's giving us a power that overcomes darkness and disappointment and grief and death like the power of the resurrection overcame the grave itself. And I saw this blessing of resurrection power on display last Tuesday night at the Webster Bank Arena. Uh, there came a moment when uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman uh, sang a song about the pain of losing his five-year-old daughter, Maria. Uh, who was accidentally run over by uh, the Chapman family car, driven by uh, her older brother, uh, who didn't see Maria in the driveway. And with a full band uh, behind him, choking back tears, Stephen Curtis Chapman uh, saying these words, Heaven is the face of a little girl with dark brown eyes that disappear when she smiles. Heaven is the place where she calls my name, says, Daddy, please come play with me for a while. Heaven is the sound of her breathing deep, lying on my chest, falling asleep while I sing. Heaven is the weight of her in my arms, being there to keep her safe from harm while she dreams. Heaven is a sweet maple syrup kiss and a thousand other little things I miss with her gone. Heaven is the place where she takes my hand and leads me to Jesus, and we both run into his arms. Oh, God, I know it's so much more than I can dream. It's far beyond anything I can conceive. So, God, you know I'm trusting you until I see heaven in the face of my little girl. Heaven in the face of my little girl. And then uh, after singing this song, Stephen introduced his uh, wife, Mary Beth, uh, who is, doesn't consider herself a public speaker, uh, but she took a microphone hoping that uh, her story could be uh, some hope and encouragement for those who lost little ones in Sandy Hook. And uh, Mary Beth said that uh, she was in the process of receiving from God the power to overcome her grief and her sorrow. 
And then she explained that although God did not miraculously save her daughter, God was performing a miracle by saving her son, Will Franklin, who was the one behind the wheel on that awful day. And then she turned to the drummer who was behind her, the drummer who had been playing through the songs that Stephen Curtis Chapman was singing. And then she said, I love you, Will Franklin. And from behind the drums, that young son reached out to his mom. And in that touch between the two of them, there was resurrection power. As a family, the chaplains display that God gives his adopted children resources. God gives his adopted children spiritual blessings to overcome grief and guilt and doubt and anger and even the darkness of death itself. And this is the power that God makes available to you as his adopted child. If you are an adopted child of God today, count your blessings, the privilege of a relationship with God, the position of relatives in God's family, the possession of riches of God's grace, and the power of resources for overcoming, overcoming the grave itself. But decide right now, to go beyond just counting these blessings and count on these blessings in a way that displays the truth that you have been adopted for life. Would you please stand now as we close? God, thank you for opening up the treasure chest for us uh, for the first time here in Ephesians uh, chapter 1. Lord, would you help us to hold up each jewel, hold up each gem, and to look at it? And would you help us, Lord, uh, to not leave this place just counting these blessings that come with being an adopted child of the King? Would you help us, Lord, to count on these blessings in a way that will change the way we live in this world? as one of your adopted for life. Amen. See you next time.